Well, we said last week, for the purposes of this podcast, that we were going to assume that the NCAA tournament was going to happen and that spring practices were going to continue. And that is not the case. Coronavirus has taken over the country, and unfortunately that means basically all live sports are on hold for the next couple months. There is no NCAA tournament this week. Ohio State spring practices are most likely not going to be able to resume, and we are in the beginning of a new normal in America as we deal with what could be the biggest public health crisis in this country in over 100 years. But we're still here on RailPod Wednesdays. I'm Dan Hope, joined by Colin Haas Hill, as always. We're, and just, we're, bringing, we're bringing all the cheer today. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting few months, but we are going to try to make the best of it. We are going to try to help you navigate your way through this and try to come up with some interesting things to talk about and and fortunately it's not going to be hard this week thanks to Ohio State football recruiting which Ohio State has landed so far as of the time we're recording Ohio State has landed four commitments this week so we're going to be bringing on Zach Carpenter in a little bit to talk about that with us and Certainly, that's giving us something interesting here to kind of help distract us from some of what else is going on in the world. But I did want to start this week's episode by kind of trying to digest what's happened in the past week because a lot has happened in the last week since we last recorded. And certainly paramount among that is the fact that we're not going to be here breaking down a bracket for you today. We're not going to be here talking about Ohio, how far Ohio State's going to go in March Madness this year because, unfortunately, there is not going to be an NCAA tournament this year. For the first time since the tournament started in 1939, there is going to be no NCAA tournament this year due to the coronavirus outbreak. And it's hard to believe. It was, I think, the only decision that they could make because of the reality of a situation that it's just not safe to hold live sporting events right now, but certainly an extremely unfortunate situation, uh, particularly for the players and the coaches and everyone who's worked so hard to try to get to this point. This is what they work for, and it's been taken away from them so abruptly. But also for all of us who are fans, who, you know, I I know that this is one of the weeks that in a typical year... I certainly look forward to as a sports fan, not just to watch Ohio State, but just to watch the tournament. And while I don't disagree with any of the decisions that were made, it's it's still so unfortunate that we're not going to get that this year. I have zero clue what we said on last week's show because, honestly, that feels like it was about four years ago. It does. But I'm sure what whatever we said was very, very wrong in retrospect because I'm not sure if there's anything... Any, uh, in all honesty, like I can't remember anything that really just changed that rapidly, that quickly, and and there were these just gigantic decisions that were just being made in a twenty-four to forty-eight hour time span where you're just sitting there, and it's almost like you're just refreshing Twitter, being like, "What's next? What's next?" And we sort of 
once once the dominoes sort of started to fall, you got an idea of what might be coming. Yet still to see it happen, I think up until um, up until the conference tournaments um, went down and, and and the Big Ten tournament wasn't played, and, and none of the, none of them were played other than that first half of the Big East game. Shout out to them for actually going through with that. That was insane. Um, but until then, I, I I still didn't really know what what was going to happen with the NCAA tournament. And once that happened, I think the writing was on the wall for the NCAA tournament. But even still, you just wait until the actual official announcement's been made because, like, we've never been through anything like that before. Like, that is a gigantic, gigantic decision in, in, in so many so many ways and and obviously it affected Ohio State, which is what this podcast is here to talk about. But, like... The, the ramifications of that, uh, we, we're only going to just begin to, to, to really figure out and, and be able to dive into them. Yeah, it, it was it's still hard to wrap around, uh, wrap our heads around all the ramifications of this. But, you know, to, to your point, just thinking back on last week, it, it really was crazy how rapidly everything progressed in just a matter of a couple of days. Cause, because truly, when we recorded this podcast last week, I thought there was going to be an NCAA tournament. I I, I really did not. Fi- it really had not crossed my mind the possibility that there really might not be an NCAA tournament. I I thought there would be probably be an NCAA tournament without fans, but it. I still thought at that time there was going to be an NCAA tournament. I, I still thought at that time there were going to be Ohio State spring football practices. I didn't know if we were going to have media availability, but I, I still thought at that time that these things were going to happen, at least even if they were behind closed doors, I thought they were still going to happen. And then it, it just progressed so quickly. I, I think, you know, to me, and I, I think this is, I think even Chris Holtman said this when he was asked about it on Thursday when, you know, the cancellations did in fact happen. And I, I, I think for me, I, I think on Wednesday night last week when the NBA announced it was suspending its season, that's when it really started to hit me. Like, yeah, there's probably not going to be an NCAA tournament. That's when you started to realize, like, n- no, sports are about to be canceled for a while. Yeah, and one after one after the other. And, and, like, we all knew that all of them were going to go down. And it was just a matter of time at, at one point. But, like, even like you said before, I know for you, you were actually about to get in your <laughs> car and drive to Indianapolis when the announcement was made. So that... The, yeah. Um, that's how close it was to actually... I mean, it did start. The Big Ten tournament did start. There were games played on Wednesday with fans in the stands. On Wednesday, the Big Ten said that it was planning to hold the Big Ten tournament as scheduled. And a day later, the Big Ten was announcing that it had canceled all sports for the remainder of the year. That's how rapidly this thing changed. Yeah, and, and we um, Gene Smith was on a conference call with reporters. I believe it was Saturday. My days are all mixed. Friday, up. Friday, Friday. Yeah, Friday. Um, and he had mentioned that you know earlier in the week he was a proponent of, of canceling um, the Big Ten tournament. Um, he's a he was in favor of canceling the NCAA tournament, and and he was still eventually in favor of canceling all the spring practice, which was eventually postponed until April sixth. So I think. Like going back and going back in time, we should have just apparently just asked Gene Smith because he he knew it was coming. Well, and I think he had the foresight to know it was coming, and I think he 
the, the tough thing about this is, I mean, none of us, none of us want this. So it's tough for people to accept the reality that this is what has to happen. And, you know, I, I think back to, I don't know if it was Monday or Tuesday, that uh, Dan Walken, the, the columnist for USA Today, wrote a column suggesting that the NCAA needed to cancel the tournament. And the reaction to it was overwhelmingly negative from, I mean, I think even we thought he was overreacting at the oh, time. Yeah. And, I mean, 24 hours later, it was like, oh, a lot of people are going to owe Dan Walken an apology because he's going to be right. That's just how quickly this whole thing thing changed. And, you know, I, I, part of that is, you know, I think part of it is, I mean, certainly for me, you know, it, at least not until Monday or Tuesday, I, I didn't realize the whole gravity of the situation. And I, I think even I kind of started to figure it out before most of America. And I think some people are still kind of figuring it out but i i don't think it at first i didn't quite realize the gravity of the situation you know certainly not until at least monday or tuesday and then even once you start to realize the gravity of it you still in your head if you're a sports fan you 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 don't immediately want to come to the conclusion well cancel all these sports that i love to watch in your head, you kind of hold out this this hope, whether it's accurate or not. Of, well, they're not going to have to completely cancel it. There, there's got to be a way. And then gradually, as more and more information comes in, that facade starts to fall down. And eventually, you know, at least for people in our situation, which kind of have to be in tune with the facts and what's going to happen, eventually you come to realize, yeah, this is probably what's coming. Uh, we've got to accept it, and we've got to be ready to to adapt, just like everyone else. To hone in a little bit on the Ohio State situation, and, and specifically basketball, obviously, I feel like every time that I talk about this, I need to give the caveat that there are more important things in the world when it comes to the virus than, than, than just sports, but we are an Ohio State sports podcast, so you know what we're going to do? We're, gonna, we're going to relate this to Ohio State sports. When I when I think about this this basketball team and where it was headed, like I just think that th- it just felt like this was three seasons in one. And honestly, the way I viewed it was there were four seasons in one, and it's just that the fourth season really never happened because they go eleven and one to start the year, get as high as two in the polls, beat crush Villanova, go into Carolina and beat the Tar Heels, uh, destroy Penn State. Uh, beat Kentucky at a neutral site, and you really wonder, like, what is the potential of this team? And then they go um, in, in January, starting in late December, and then through basically the entirety of January, lose six of seven games. Their only one is against Nebraska. And then there are the rumblings of, is, is this team really even going to make the NCAA tournament? I mean, they were 2-6 and six in the Big Ten at one point. Then they end the year having won nine of their past 12 games. And, like, I think that there was a real belief both among fans and observers and among those within the program, that this is a team that really had a chance to make a run. And I, and I think that the pieces were sort of coming together at the right time. Now, the interesting part of that, of course, is that they, they only had eight healthy eligible players, which typically that is not the time when everything comes together. But people sort of got into, the, got, got into roles that fit them. 
Um, you saw EJ Liddell's emergence late in the season. CJ Walker was playing his best basketball of the season. Um, at some point, you imagine they would have gotten Kyle Young back. Uh, Dwayne uh, Washington and Luther Muhammad were, were shooting the ball with with more with more consistency. Um, Caleb was being the same Caleb that, that Ohio State had gotten the the majority of the season. And I think you wondered like what what does this team have in it? And and I think that's the part of this team in in this season that's sort of the most fascinating to me is like this season ended and like. I'm not 100% sure I know how good this team really was and where it's st- where it's stacked up nationally. Like am I crazy to say that? No, because I think it's almost impossible to truly gauge how good this team was when we didn't get to see them play a postseason game. It, it, it just there's so much incompletion to it and it, 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 like you said, I mean, there were there were three different parts to this season, and because of you know the ups and downs of this season, I, I think it's easy to it's easy to envision this is a team that could have lost its first round Big Ten tournament game and lost its first round NCAA tournament game, or this is a team that could have made a run to the Big Ten tournament final and to the Final Four. I mean, the Washington Post. Had a simulation on Tuesday, but had Ohio State win him a national championship. I, I don't know what I, I think that actually would have happened, but you know this, you know it's it, it's it's sometimes the unknown is worse than you know the disappointment of a loss. You know I, I, you know I think back to when people will say you know oh you know it's like you you can think of it like a college football playoff context where like. You'd you'd rather miss the playoff than than go there and lose. No, you'd 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 rather be there. You'd you'd rather be there. You'd rather be there and get that chance. It sucks when you have a bad loss, but y- you still want to be there. You want to get that chance. You want to know what you could have accomplished. For I mean, not just Ohio State, but everyone who would have been in the NCAA tournament. There's just such a feeling now of what could have been, because we're never gonna know. Yeah, yeah. There's. I, I, I think this team was, was a really interesting team to cover, and it, and it just went through a lot of ups and downs. And sure, there, there are going to be some pieces from, from this year's team that are going to be back next year, be big parts of the team next season. But I also think that there are going to be some, some, some really important um, offseason additions and departures. Um, Andre Wesson <laughs> abruptly had played his last game at Michigan State could never have possibly imagined that, but but that's what happened. And then, you know, Caleb Wesson has a decision to make. Um, they're in the mix for Seth Towns, a Harvard transfer, who um, said that he's going to make a decision this week, and Ohio State's well-positioned for him. Um, then you imagine if, if – I mean, we just have to go down this hypothetical. If they get Seth Towns, someone else would have to transfer um, out so that they could, re- they, they could stay at the 13 scholarship limit. There's just a there's there there's a lot of moving pieces this offseason. Um, Justice Suing will become eligible for Ohio State. There's just there's a lot that I think will change between this season and next season, and and this one's just sort of going to be lost because you just you don't know how this team would have done in the postseason. You know how it did early in the season. You know how it did in the middle of the season. You know how it did late in the regular season. But in the postseason, I I honestly like you said. I, I don't know what would have happened, and that's what made this team interesting, and that's what's frustrating about 
this being over is because sometimes you you have an idea like last year all right if they win one game that's probably good for them last year uh in, in both the big 10 tournament and the NCAA tournament like this team it proved it could crush Villanova and, and Penn State and Kentucky and beat Maryland and Illinois and Michigan and Indiana. Like those were a lot of good teams that this that, that this Ohio State team beat and and where stacked where it would have stacked up nationally is just something that it's 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 hard for me to know. So what do you take away from this season? What do you think will be the biggest things that you know whether it be memorable moments or just you know the the outlook of the program. What do you think are the biggest things you take away from this abbreviated season? It's I, this. This is a really hard season to contextualize. I think just because it didn't really end in a way that you would normally have a natural ending. Um, because I think that there were different points in the season. Early in the season, you had fans thinking, "Oh my God, this program is destined for great things." Holtman is a genius, and then all of a sudden, January happens, and I think people were. People were pretty upset and thinking that, that this was the year that Ohio State was supposed to come through. And then Ohio State ends the season the way it does um, in a really tough Big Ten and finishes above 500 when it seemed like that wouldn't happen at, at one point earlier this season and goes 21-10 and 10 and, and you sort of see the, the bright uh, lights at the end and, and you think what could be. And, and I think that, to be honest, like that's really going to be my takeaway. Is It's just like I don't really – this was a mysterious season with an unfinished ending, and it's hard to really know exactly. All right, here's my takeaway because it just wasn't. It 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 didn't end the way it should have ended. And and to be honest, like when I think back to the season, that's really the thing that I'm going to be um, reminded of. You talked about you know next season. What do you think the team's outlook is for next season? To to put it in this context, do you think? the team's chances of making a deep tournament run next year will be better or worse than they would have been this year. Gosh, it is so hard to know because I still have no idea how good this team was at the end of the season and, and where they would have made it. Um, I think I I mean, I, I'd be putting I, I think they'll be at least as good Net year as they were this year, and I also think that that Caleb Wesson leaves for the NBA, and I think Seth Towns joins the team from Harvard, and I think that they'll be a very, very different team. I think they'll have quite a few upperclassmen, and, and Chris Holtman really, that's what he wants in a team. Um, you imagine C.J. Walker is a senior um, that he'll be able to provide more consistent minutes at, at point guard than I think early in the season he probably wasn't playing at the level they w- they would want. They're going to be super versatile in sort of that six five to six eight forwards. They're not they're I, I provided that Caleb Wesson um, leaves. They're not going to have a sort of that that classic Big Ten center or even someone like him who's going to drop 14 a game, get nine rebounds a game, and stretch the floor. They're just not going to have that kind of big man in the middle who's 6'9", 250. But they're going to be they're going to be a sort of a switchable defense, um, maybe a more athletic team. I think they're going to still shoot the ball pretty well. But there's also a lot of questions. Like DJ Carton was away from the team late in the season. What's, what, is, what is his... Um, What's his standing? Is he going to return to Ohio State next season? Um, someone like Justice Suing who and, and Musa Jallo, both of them had injuries. Um, 
Justin Arnes is a full off season ahead of him. Kyle Young in the end of the season injured. If they got if they get Seth Towns, he had a knee injury that'll hold him out until the summer. Like I, there's a lot of uncertainties again, which is you know it's funny how it's funny how you sort of go you you end the 2019-20 season with. An, an uncertain ending, and, and I think that they're going to enter this offseason with sort of a lot of intrigue, but but also, you know, a, a pretty pretty decent amount of unknown. Well, plenty of unknowns there, but I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking about at times. We got enough time, Dan. Several months, because we're going to have uh, plenty of time to talk about really whatever you guys want us to talk about. I mean, I'll, I'll encourage that right now that if you guys, if you ha- if you guys have things you want to hear us talk about, Seriously, let us know. I mean, I, I think back to during football season when I think people were actually, I think we were actually getting more questions during football season that were, you know, big, long topics that would really be more devoted to, you know, taking more time in the off season. If you've got stuff like that you want us to talk about, I mean, seriously, send them, send them our way because we're, you know, we're going to have to be creative here over the next few months. Uh, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll dive in dive in deeper to some you know more outside the box topics and if there's certain things that you guys want to hear about we want we want the show to ultimately be interesting to you the listeners so uh for sure you know send us your feedback let us know what else you want to want to hear about to just kind of circle back just to you know this whole situation you know you mentioned andre wesson you know, certainly Caleb Wesson, you know, he might have played his last game at Ohio State, too. And, you know, we don't know about anybody else who, you know, could potentially, you know, choose to move on, you know, now that the season's over. But, you know, you just think about, you know, I think the, the people that I really think about the most in the athletics context with, again, you know, this being more important than anything that's happening in sports right now. But, you know, you, you just think back to the seniors. You, you think back to people like, Luke Pletcher and Colin Moore, who were most likely going to be NCAA champions in wrestling this year, and they're not going to get that opportunity. And it sounds like spring sports athletes are going to get another year of eligibility for the NCAA, which I, I hope they're able to make that work because I think they certainly deserve that opportunity. Uh, most of them barely even had the opportunity to begin their seasons. So especially for the seniors, you'd hate to see their careers end that way. Winter sports athletes, I don't think it's been ruled out, but you know, certainly hearing someone like Chris Holtman talk, he, he doesn't seem to be under the the expectation that you know these guys are going to get an additional year of eligibility or that it's going to change his roster composition for next year. So I think that's probably a long shot that the winter sports athletes whose seasons were cut short are, are going to get a whole another year of eligibility because of that, but you do feel for those guys because you know how hard they worked to get to this point and to have that be taken away from them so abruptly just has to be heartbreaking. Yeah, it, it really sucks. Um, that can't be said enough. I mean, you had Andre Wesson preparing for his final Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament. I think he was also confident going into those those games. And he'll never know what would have happened, and that's terrible. The other aspect of that is, like, personally, like, it I, it's it's hard I don't know it's hard for me to to hear a case that they've played an entire season and because they missed the tournaments um, they deserve a whole another year of eligibility and and I just like it's it's heartbreaking for him it's terrible but if they don't get another year of eligibility to like personally it would make sense to me yeah I I, I agree and. 
you know, the reality is there's so much that goes into that. And we're still, even if the spring sports athletes, we're going to have to see exactly what solution they come up with there. Because yep. the thing you got to consider is scholarships and all that. Now, if, if, if all these athletes now get an extra year and you've got all these freshmen coming in, now you're probably going to have to make exceptions for teams to have more scholarships for a year. You're... You know, this costs schools money. Schools that are already about to lose money because of this, because of having to cancel all their spring sports and, and losing all the revenue that comes from those. And there's just a, a bunch of different, you know, factors here that go into this. I mean, I, I think certainly for some, you know, athletes, you know, especially in, in sports that, you know, don't necessarily have a clear path to the to professional sports. I think some of these athletes, they're going to be graduating from school. Some of them are probably going to have to say, even if they get that extra year of eligibility, they might have to say, you know what, as much as I don't want to finish my college athletics career this way, I've got to go start my career. I, there's no reason for me to stay in school for another year because I'm not going to be a professional athlete. So there's a lot that goes into this. Again, it, it you know I think the biggest thing you can say is it's just really unfortunate for all those athletes because there's certainly things that can be done to try to make up for this, but you you can't just you can't just replace the things that could have happened this year. So you just hate it for them. Everybody's got to make sacrifices in the situation. You know this is this is going to be tough. This whole situation is tough on a lot of people, and there's a lot of things we all have to do to adjust to it. So, uh, unfortunately for them, that's just life, but I, I do feel for them. It's also, I think, worth hitting on um, sort of the implications for, for football, um, which they're, as of now, and who knows, <laughs> a week ago I would have said it was crazy if they were going to cancel the NCAA tournament, and a week later I think, well, yeah, of course they canceled it. Like, I couldn't possibly make a prediction that far down the line. But as of now, football season seems like it'll it'll go on um, once um, once Ohio State reaches uh, August and September and, and they can get into fall camp and, and, and the actual regular season beginning. But when we think about them potentially missing spring practice, and right now the Big Ten has postponed it until April 6th, I would say I would be very, very, very skeptical that they will actually hold spring practices at all this year. Um, who do you think that this will affect most? And, and how do you think that it, it'll affect players and, and coaches? Is is this a big deal or is, you know, like they still have time to make up for it in the fall and, and Ohio State will be okay and, and everybody's going through this? Yeah, I, I think the guys it really affects the most are the younger players and, you know, the, the guys who haven't gone through spring practices before. You know, I, I think of the early enrollees and, you know, those guys that, you know, this was really supposed to be an advantage for them, a head start for them. And now they lose that head start. They don't they don't get this opportunity to go through a full set of spring practices. They, they still have a bit of a head start because they've been through winter workouts with Mickey Marotti and all that. But, you know, this spring was supposed to be a big opportunity for those guys. And just, you know, younger, less experienced players across the board, I, I think that's who are really affected by this. You know, a, a Justin Fields, a, a Sean Wade, a Chris Olave, you know, those guys are going to be fine. But I, I think for the younger players who really, you know, need all the reps they can get, 
you know, I think those are the guys who are going to be most affected by this. In terms of whether it's a big deal, I, I think obviously the good thing if you're Ohio State is this is affecting everybody. N- nobody's going to have spring practices at this point. M- some conferences have already canceled. The ones that haven't are going to. That's that's the way this thing is headed right now. So nobody's going to have spring practices. You know, unless you know, I think there might have been a few schools that started really early. So there might be a few schools that got a few extra spring practices just by the luck of that. But by and large, every school is being affected here in terms of losing spring practices, losing spring games. So I think in that case, it doesn't disproportionately affect Ohio State versus any other school. But I mean, it's still a big deal because. If you're Ryan Day, if you're the coaching staff, you you, you have a plan. Your your entire year is planned out, and everything is planned out to to try to get your guys as best ready as possible for se- September. And I, I think right now, it's not just a big deal that spring practices aren't going to resume. It's also a big deal that you really have no idea at this point when players are going to be able to return to campus and begin working out together. You really don't know what players can even do on their own at this point. When you've got quarantines going into place all over the country and gyms are closing everywhere, players aren't, even on their own, might not have the opportunities to work out the way they normally would, even if they want to. There's, there's probably going to be limitations on guys in terms of what they're able to do versus what they would normally do. So I, I, I think not even just in terms of spring practice, but you think of Mickey Marotti and his staff. Whenever these guys are able to come back, their job is going to be more important than ever trying to make up for lost time and trying to get these guys back on track. And... I think that's going to be something that everyone, every single team in the country is going to have to deal with this year. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I think ahead to the fall, unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised if you see more injuries this year, just because I think guys might not be as well prepared for the season, not by any fault of anyone, just by the reality of this situation that guys might not be able to go through the same kind of training that they typically would over the course of an entire off season. So I, I think in that regard, it's a big deal. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to have any impact in terms of how many games Ohio State will will win because I, I think Ohio State they're going to be able to handle this as well as anybody. They've got a great coaching staff. They've got a great strength and conditioning staff. They're gonna have a plan in place. These are smart coaches. You know, I, I think it also helps. When you've, when you've put an emphasis on recruiting the right kind of guys, which I think Ohio State has, I think that's going to help. Because I think these next few months, it's going to be really important to have players who are you know, doing the right things off the field. Because you, you, you can't supervise them right now. You, you, you don't have the same kind of ability to you know, manage what your players are doing that you typically would this time of year. So it, it's a lot of uncertainty. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of sleepless nights for, for coaches kind of stressing out over the uncertainty because football coaches hate uncertainty. They, 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 they want to be able to control this stuff as much as they possibly can. But 
they have to adapt. And ultimately, this college football season could be determined by who adapts the best to all of us. Yeah, I think your point about the it affecting the, the younger players disproportionately, I think that's accurate. I also think, um, like you said, that the, the aspect of players having to work out and improve themselves at home at this time of the year when they're when they're normally with the team, I think that also um, impacts the younger guys disproportionately just because they don't, they've never really been through a, a, a spring practice before. They don't know what's really expected of them. They've never, some of the freshmen have never been through a, a, a full, um, a full fall camp and a, and a full season. And they might have an idea of what to do, but the experience, the experience, I think is, is going to be a pretty big differentiator and 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 how um, players are going to use this team to use this time to figure out how to improve in the off season. I think like if I were to pick out a, a few guys who I'm just who I just wonder about, like number one, I think about the freshman quarterbacks. I think about C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller, and and I think that this time was going to be pretty valuable to them just because you think about what what Ryan Day had said a, a, a few weeks ago. Um, when he when he was talking about how Justin Fields would get the majority of the first team reps, and maybe there becomes a point in time where he's had enough reps, and you get all the backups first team reps as well. Like those are first team reps that they won't get now. When Ohio State is going um, into the fall and, and they're and they're practicing in August, I just can't imagine that C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller are going to get many first team reps then. Like that's a time where you have to prepare the the, the starting offense. Including Justin Fields, for everything that they've got coming in the 2020 season. So I think you're you're losing some reps there from the freshman quarterbacks. I wonder about the freshman wide receivers, and and I think that there's going to be enough time in in uh, in August to to make up for what they've lost in the spring in terms of where they are on the depth chart. But I do think it, it requires them to make quicker strides than maybe they would have needed to beforehand. And I think that also is the case with, with Paris Johnson. And I think like I, th- I, I think Paris Johnson absolutely, um, if spring practice was going on right now, I think he would have split the first team reps generally at right tackle with Nicholas Petit-Frere. And I think that that'll probably be the case this fall, um, at least in terms of preseason camp. Um, but if you're only thinking about what how, how this is going to affect um, – Paris Johnson, Nicholas Petit Frere in that right tackle battle during during preseason camp rather than getting a chance to evaluate them in the spring as well. I just think generally you'd probably lean toward the guy who is more experienced and who's been in the program and has a greater idea and an understanding of, of what to do when he's out there. And and like I think I think generally I might lean towards veterans more so if we were talking about projecting depth charts and projecting who will play than I would have if Ohio State was going through the spring um, per usual. Yeah, that's that, that's my thought as well. Is I think I think you could see more veterans near the top of a depth chart at least to start the season than maybe you would have just because there's not as much opportunity for these young guys to develop. And I and I think the tough I think the tough thing about it is. You know, ideally, you would like to come out of the spring. You would like most of your position battles to kind of work themselves out this spring. And that way you can go into the summer with an idea of, okay, this is what our depth chart's probably going to be. You're always still going to have some position battles that are going to continue into preseason camp. But you want to come out of a spring with a pretty good idea of what your depth chart is going to be. 
Now you're going to go into preseason camp with some position battles that are wide open. And, 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 and can I, like, one thing I would say, too, just going off of that real quick, is you have a guy like Harry Miller who I think if Ohio State had gone through spring practice, we both would have said, yeah, that's the guy who's going to start left guard. Harry Miller will now, if he, if he starts at left guard this this uh, fall, will have will be the starter and have never gone through a spring practice, a full spring practice before. Yeah, and that's what I wouldn't. I don't think I changed my opinion on that. I think same, he'll still, same. I, think he'll I just still, think it's interesting, and I and I think that, and I wonder how how that'll have an effect or whether that'll have an effect. Obviously, it's almost impossible to know because this is we're in uh, we're in rare times. Yeah, I would say that I think if you're if you're trying to evaluate, you know, which teams might advance from this, I think teams with more returning starters, teams with more experienced veterans, are probably going to be in better shape because of this than, than teams that have a lot of young players they're counting on. You know, I, I don't know that Ohio State necessarily falls in either category because I think, you know, they've got a pretty pretty healthy group of veteran guys that are returning, but they've also got some, you know, really important positions where they need young guys to step up. But, you know, I think, you know, I, I haven't really looked around, but I think, you know, if there's teams out there that have a ton of returning starters those teams might benefit a little from this and if there's teams that have very few returning starters and are counting on a lot of you know freshmen and sophomores to play this year i think this might hurt them a little bit disproportionately so we'll see i mean this is it's such an unknown and and you know the reality like you said before we are going to go forward with the assumption that football season is going to start on time we certainly hope that football season is going to start on time but there is the uncertainty of all this right now, but we still don't know exactly how this is going to play out. And and it could go the other way, too. I mean, I know there's been some people asking me about, you know, will the NCAA potentially extend preseason camp? Would they start preseason camp earlier to, to give back some of these practices? That could be a possibility. I don't know. I, I think the reality is some of that might depend on how long this outbreak lasts when we come out of it and when it's safe for teams to start working out and get back to practicing again. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. There's so much uncertainty that teams are going to have to work through. But, you know, if you're, you know, know, I think back to Ryan Day when he was asked a couple weeks ago about, you know, if he had started to dig into Oregon yet. And he said he usually kind of waits until it gets closer to the season. I have a feeling he's probably going to be digging a little more into Oregon now. I have a feeling that the coaches might be watching a little more film of their opponents now because they're going to have a lot more downtime, a lot more time at home. So I have a feeling they might be watching a little bit more film of their opponents over the next few months. You want to talk Cruton? Yeah, let's let's bring on our guest, Zach Carpenter, and talk a little bit about this wave of recruiting that Ohio State has had because... As much as everything else has stopped in the sports world, Ohio State recruiting certainly has not. And we now have Zach on the line. Zach, a huge week for Ohio State recruiting. Four commitments in three days. Ja'Kalen Johnson, cornerback from St. Louis, committed on Sunday. Devontae Smith, a cornerback from Cincinnati, and Evan Pryor, running back from North Carolina, committed on Monday. And then Andre Turrentine, a defensive back, could be corner, could be safety, 
committed on Tuesday. So, Zach, can you just kind of give us a quick synopsis of what Ohio State is getting from each of those four new Buckeyes? Yeah, it's honestly, first off, it's pretty incredible. I mean, it's been a pretty crazy three days, and especially the 48 hours between Sunday and Monday, so fingers were a little hurting after all doing all that all that writing. But, um, yeah, first one's Kalen Johnson. He's obviously, uh, out of those three defensive backs, he would be the headliner. Um, and he's, he seems to be the, that prototypical uh, physical, physical corner, outside corner, who can, uh, who can also do really well in coverage. Um, I spoke to his head coach, Robert Steeples, who uh, is a former, former cornerback for, who played for 20, the position for 20 years and uh, had stops at four NFL teams. And uh, he'd, he's like, I'd, I'd watch film on all, all these other guys over, all across the country and he feels that that Jaqueline is the best corner in the country. Obviously, maybe a little biased there, but um, that's his evaluation. So, you're going to have someone who can who can basically do it all um, on the outside there in Jaqueline. Devonta, he's. I'll just go in order then uh, of the defensive backs who committed. Devonta seems like at first that he might be uh, fitted for the slot until uh, you hear that. I mean, I heard from him. That uh, he's going to be he's going to be moving over to to more of the uh, outside corner role in his senior season to try to help prepare him for uh, his career at Ohio State. So you have to be start thinking that outside is where he'll be situated. Um, then Andre Turrentine, I uh, I wrote up the analysis uh, of his commitment today or uh, last night, and um, I talked to his his head coach uh, over at Ensworth today. And he was saying, yeah, he's he's a safety, but he can do it all. I mean, he gets he get, is used to um, as a sort of that one high roaming safety who can come down in the box, blitz off, blitz off the edge. Uh, as he said, as the co- his head coach Rock Batten said, he's not afraid to thump you. Um, he'll come off the perimeter in the run game, and he'll also be he'll be able to slide over into that nickel role as well and that's obviously Dan something that you've talked about is how they're using those combo corner safety guys uh, in the slot Um, so probably not going to be an outside corner as much but seems to fit the role of of a guy who can who can do a lot of different things um, has a lot of versatility positional wise Um, then that that takes us to running back Evan Pryor Uh, the best way to describe him is as a home run threat. I mean, he's got 4.42 speed in the 40, 10.8 speed in the 100 meter dash. He's a 100 meter and four by one uh, participant in track, and uh, he. I mean, he's, he's got great vision too. He's got patience. Um, he can be used in the slot and as an outside receiver because he's he's a great receiver as well, with great hands. Um, he's he's but he's still going to be he's going to be one of two backs that. Tony Alford is looking to bring into this class because I, I wouldn't describe him as a complete back, but he's certainly a terrific weapon to have. You mentioned the Tony Alford and you know what he's doing on recruit trail, and get back to that in a sec. But certainly, Kerry Combs to get three defensive back commitments in three days shows that he has not lost his recruiting touch. This is one big reason why Ohio State paid $1.4 million to bring him back to Ohio State is because he's regarded as an elite recruiter, and he's certainly shown that the last few days 
being able to land the type of prospects that he has. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, this is this is why they brought him on, right? I mean, his recruiting prowess and uh, his his resume really speaks for itself. And I mean, I talked to um, I talked to Robert Seeples, like I said, uh, back about a month ago, and he was raving about him. He said just in one visit from Kerry over at DeSmet High School, he's like he sold me on him. He uh, I mean, he he came in. We already knew about him, but then you meet him in person, and he's just as fiery, energetic, and um, and genuine as they come and then speaking with uh with andre turntine with his head coach uh he said that it was more of an all hands on deck approach with with andre um matt barnes he he really kept coming back to matt barnes really praising him heavily uh about his recruitment or about how involved he was for for a long time and then he stopped short of saying carry he's like uh coach baton he he said i wouldn't call him a cherry on top but um, he came in, and once he was hired, Andre started doing his research and said, well, I mean, rattle off the list of names of first-round and second-round NFL guys that he's produced, and that really speaks for itself. So, I mean, uh, he, was, he was basically sold from the jump. So bringing uh, in Kerry Combs is already paying off in a big way. The carry on top, you might say. Aha! I like God, it. I was sitting on that one for like 30 seconds oh. there, just waiting. <laughs> have to steal that as a headline, Colin. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, when you look at the, the three defensive backs, um, and, and you sort of, I mean, you've got a chance to, to talk to, to them and them or, or their coaches over the past few days, you know, is there any commonality that stands out between them as, as either as players, as people, as you know, uh, the, the programs are coming from. I'm not sure when, when you when you have these conversations if there's anything that you sort of keep coming back to. Uh, positional versatility a little bit, but uh, mainly, I mean, it keeps coming back, always comes back to football IQ um, and high character and work ethic. I mean, yeah, speaking with literally all three coaches, I sp- uh, or I spoke to, um, I didn't speak to Coach Pat McLaughlin over at, uh, at LaSalle, but um, just the, they seem to have, incredibly high work ethic and they're putting up numbers in the gym and Andre when uh when coach Batan I don't I actually don't know how to pronounce his last name so I think I've said three different pronunciations of uh his last name um well one's right so you nailed one of them exactly uh he's he's kept coming back he said when he got hired on as head coach last spring Andre was the first or second guy coming in um wanting to watch film and like learn as much about the defensive system and the opponents and stuff as possible. So you're not going to have, in those three guys, you're not going to have any slackers is what I'm picking up. To be fair to Zach, he, he has told me multiple times after listening to Real Pod Wednesdays that I mispronounced a recruit's name. So we, yeah. we all do it. We, we're all getting our turn at mispronunciations. It's all good. It's all equal. Running back obviously was a massive position of need for 2021 with – some of the misses that Ohio State's had on the recruiting trail, to, to be blunt, over the last couple of years. And Tony Alford now landing one of his top targets already in Evan Pryor, but it sounds like they're going to get another elite running back. Seems like they're in a good position for two of the other top running backs in this class in Travion Henderson and Donovan Edwards. So one of our questions that we got this week from AZ Buckeye 13 is, who do you see being the second back in the class? And is it a matter of first come, first served? 
I still, I'm still thinking Donovan Edwards. I've been saying that for weeks now, um, so I'm still sticking to that prediction as as uh, the second back to come into the class. Um, obviously, Trevion Henderson. There's a lot of momentum right now. Uh, a lot of scuttle and rumors going around that he could be the next one. And as far as first comes, first serve. I'm not sure if that's how Ohio State's. I'm not sure if that's how they're sort of looking at it, but it probably should be at this point um if you can get either of those guys no one's i mean they're very similar back so there's no reason that if donovan edwards calls friday night and says i want to commit then i don't see any reason that they would not take him even if uh trevion was saying i'm i'm still leaning this way so i do believe that it would be a first come first serve basis it's a good thing when you have potentially more elite guys at a position that you can take, especially considering the way things went last year where it just seemed like one by one, Ohio State was not able to land these elite running backs that it looked like they might have a chance to get. Yeah, exactly. That's why it just feels like a 180-degree turnaround this year, which is why which is why people are starting to, starting to have a little more hope that this running backs group could be something pretty special. The way I see it um, is... I think Tony Alford deserved every every bit of criticism that he got last year. Yep. I, th- I just think that there were big misses um, that now Ohio State has to pay for, and, and we can talk later in the podcast about sort of what they might be looking to do in the transfer market to make up for it. But, you know, he deserved that criticism then, and that sticks with him. But he also deserves the praise for, for where – Ohio State is and and it's recruiting and and it's running back recruiting right now with Evan Pryor in the fold and and Ohio State in the mix for for a number of of top guys is I I do think it's interesting because you've mentioned this to us a couple times off the air is that when you talk to a lot of these guys like they have a really strong bond with with Tony Alford and and I think maybe one of the things people wondered the last year or the last two cycles really was like is he just not connecting with these guys what is going wrong there so when you talk to to these running backs and, and their coaches and and you get an idea of um, how they are connecting with Tony Alford can you just sort of explain um, how he's sort of made progress in, in that regard with the with the 2020 backs. Yeah, I mean, they... they or 2021 back, backs, sorry. These running back recruits, they love him. They absolutely love Alford, especially um, those two main guys that I've talked to, Evan and Donovan. And it always comes back to, well, we talk about we talk about life outside of football. We rarely talk about football. And I kept getting those generalizations when I kept talking to running back recruits. I mean, I've talked to like eight or nine of them over the past... Uh, a few months so I finally asked Donovan um, when I went up to West Bloomfield and visited with him and his head coach Ron Bellamy I I was like what what is it like give me examples of why uh, of what life outside football is and why he's gained uh, your respect in that way and the first thing that he said about um, life after life outside of football was um, so Donovan's mother passed away from breast cancer when Donovan was two years old and uh, one of the questions that Coach Alfer was uh, asking him, like, was, I mean, how how are you coping with that? How's your dad coping with that? How's your how's your brother been handling it? Um, those sorts of questions. So, and it was not. I did not get any sense that it was any sort of uncomfortable conversation. He really enjoyed that, or he really uh, was appreciative that Tony was. Uh, 
being genuine as far as his actual um, concerns with that were. And then the second thing was when Tony was in line to uh, be a candidate for Colorado State, the head coaching job there, Donovan looked him right in the eyes and said, would you ever leave Ohio State? And Tony looked him right back in the eyes and said, Colorado State's different. Um, if, if they offered me the job there, I would take it. And Donovan's like, he looked me in the, right in the eyes and straight up said that. And that made every bit of difference. I mean, that, that was really a turning point in their relationship. Not that the relationship was bad before that, but I think that was sort of a, a watershed moment where he started realizing, okay, Tony's, Tony's pretty real here. So that's sort of a, a little bit of a behind the scenes of how he's sort of establishing that bond and that trust with them. I think from what I've always heard about Tony is that he, he's very honest with recruits. He's he's yep. he's not someone who sugarcoats for recruits. You, there are a lot of coaches out there who will go into a recruit's home and will tell them about you know how great they think they are and 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 will do that, but aren't always as as brutally honest with them about you know their expectations. And you know from what I've heard about Tony, that's the way he is. And some guys are going to like that, and some guys aren't. And you know, the one thing that it does seem to consistently come up with Tony is that he builds relationships with guys based on stuff off the field. You know, you think of someone like J.K. Dobbins. I think yep. his bond with J.K. Dobbins was very close because Tony lost, you know, a member of his family at the same time that, that J.K. lost his dad, and they really bonded over that. And it was a very genuine bond. And I, I think, you know, I think... Tony does a really good job building bonds in those ways. I think the reality is his coaching style is not for everybody, but if you look at what J.K. Dobbins did at Ohio State for the past three years, if his coaching style works for you, it can really work for you. And so, you know, it would seem that, you know, for whatever reason, his style didn't work with a lot of the top guys in the class of 2020, although... You know, they were pretty close to getting Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson was silently committed to them, and then he flipped. But just looking at the guys in this year's class, it seems like his style is is resonating with these guys. And you know, between Evan Pryor and and you know Donovan Edwards and Travion Henderson, you know whoever else ends up joining, you know Evan Pryor in this class, it seems like what he's doing is resonating with those guys. And you know that's what they want. And I know you wrote about it as well that. You know, these are all guys that they they're comfortable with playing in a two back system because they believe that could actually help them in terms of preparing them for a future in the NFL. Yeah, and if I could, Dan, uh, real quick, go back to again the reason that those um, his approach seems to be working is something that uh, Ron Bellamy touched on um, was you let's say you go to Ohio State or wherever it is and. You tweak your ankle in practice, and you're out for two to three weeks. You're uh, you're not able to, uh, for whatever reason, maybe winter blues hit or something as well. Uh, whatever the case is, and you're feeling disconnected from your team, um, or class isn't going well. Whatever it may be, your position coach is the guy that you're going to want to step into his office or just have just uh, talk with outside of the facilities and um, be close with. So it's like when when those sorts of things break down I mean what sort of relationship do you have with the with the main guy that brought you into the program so I think that's another reason why 
um, that that approach is starting to work a little bit. Uh, but yeah, as far as the two-back system, it, it was so funny because for a while I was like basically everyone else. I mean, no elite level running back is going to want to come into a class with another elite level running back. And then talking to all three of these guys, uh, Evan, Donovan, and Trevion, really uh, Trevion's coach, um, they all want to be a part of a two-back system because each of their dreams or each of their goals is to become an NFL player and get that second contract in the NFL after their rookie deal is up. They want to be able to make millions of dollars and take care of their families for years, decades to come. And one of the one of the main ways that you can do that is preparing now and getting less mileage on your legs, less tread on the tires, um, as as Evan put it. And you say you save all that by by not taking those hits and not uh, potentially sustaining injuries in college. So the two back system is ironically becoming more attractive and i don't know if that's a generational thing or or anything like that but ohio state has the clear lead for the number one 21 number one 2021 class that's a tongue twister <laughs> right there but they've got the clear lead for the top class in the country right now they already have 14 players committed so there's not a whole lot of spots left at this point but who are the other top guys that you think the Buckeyes would most like to add to this class? Uh, well, a receiver, it, I always start with a receiver because that's obviously the flashy, exciting position. So Troy Stolato and Emeka Ibuka, uh, two guys that I've been talking about since basically the first day I, I, I started here. They would be more than fine with either one. Um, I don't believe they'll get both, but uh, either one of those guys uh, at, on offensive line, we're looking at J.C. Latham seems to be seems to be a, their top target. He uh, um, he's coming down to Ohio State and LSU. Um, on defense, on defense, I keep coming back to Derek Davis. He's another guy that I've been high on for a long time, and uh, other recruiting analysts and uh, high school coaches and, um, and college coaches across the country are very high on. He's a safety who he I think he's going to end up being a five star recruit by the time um by the time he signs with whatever program he signs with and that it's either going to be ohio state clemson penn state or georgia um i still he's the guy who i really i really do believe ohio state will bring in as kind of that that crown jewel of the defensive class outside of uh jack sawyer but the crown jewel of the defensive backs class um outside of that some other uh they're they're main linebacker they're pushing for. They're really only pushing for one linebacker, and that's Barrett Carter, even though it seems like Clemson and Georgia have the line on him. Um, a defensive end, uh, the last guy I'll mention is another guy that I really I really loved in watching his watching his film and hearing about him, reading about him, is uh, Demion Robinson from, from Quincy Orchard, Maryland. He's just a, he's a ferocious dude who... He's, he can fit either with his hand in the dirt as a defensive end or an outside linebacker. So another guy with positional versatility and pass rushing ability that they'd love to have. You know your team is uh, the team that you cover is recruiting pretty well when they seem to be in on the number five kid in the country, JT Tuimaloa. Did I, Tua, did I nail Tua that? Or? There's no chance Tua, you got that right. <laughs> I be, I'm like 90% sure that's how you pronounce okay, it. Do, it, do that again. Let me, let me get this. Tuimaloao. Okay, I'm just. I'm, gonna, go I'm actually gonna. I'm gonna wave the white flag here. And I'm gonna let Zach pronounce his name. But point being, 
when he's another guy well, I forgot to mention. Well, yeah, but when you forget to mention him, that tells you where this class is and 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 the level that Ohio State's recruiting at. I mean, right now they have 14 commitments. The number one team, the, they have the number one recruiting class in the country in 2021 um, by by a pretty decent margin at the moment. Like, what what's the most important need? at least in your opinion, right now for Ohio State? Is it as simple as, like, just because of what happened the past few years, getting a, getting a second running back is still the number one need, or has Evan Pryor maybe changed that? Well, first off, I was uh, as you talk about Ohio State seeing it in such a good position, I thought about writing an easy mode article, but kind of learned from Collins' uh, Collins' past uh, article there about easy mode and yeah, I may or may not have written an article about Ohio State being on easy mode just, uh, what was it, like two days before Chase Young got suspended? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah something, something like that. that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously coming into Sunday afternoon, the two biggest positions of need in order were number one, running back, and number two, defensive back, and more specifically, corner. Um, those needs are getting fulfilled, but I wouldn't say they're complete. I still think, I still think a second running back is uh is their biggest area of need even with evan Pryor, um i think Pryor's an awesome talent i think he's gonna be really good i just i still think getting that number two guy is going to be imperative um outside of that i would say pass rusher but uh jack sawyer obviously takes care of some of those needs but just the fact that they did not get um elect any sort of pure pass rusher in the 2020 class may necessitate the need for um getting a second guy there um, looking at everything, I, yeah, I would still say a second running back, and then um, with the with this little run that they've had over the past couple of days, another offense uh, or at the run they've had getting all these defensive backs uh, in the class. Um, I would say getting another getting a safety like Derek Davis would be another big need. But I'll come back to offensive tackle. Um, getting a, a guy like J.C. Latham or an offensive guard like Jagger Burton, um, I would say offensive line would be the number two area of need behind a number uh, second running back. We'll let you go on this. One of our listeners, Dan Moss, asked us, who's the next commitment going to be? Call your shot. Oh, let me... Let me look down here at uh, offers, because obviously everyone's going to want me to say Trevion Henderson. Um, I don't know if one's coming for a while. Uh, I still, Which means like two days. Yeah, yeah 48 <laughs> hours from now, we'll, I'll be writing up another impact piece. Um, here, I'll give I'll, you one. I'll go ahead and say Marcus Bradley. Even though he might, he'll probably need to get back to camp. He might want to get back to campus. Uh, either corner, cornerback Jansen Dunn or defensive tackle Marcus Bradley. I can say uh, Seth Towns too. <laughs> yeah, from Harvard. Not not my expertise. That sounds that sounds like a good choice to me there. So Seth Towns for basketball. <laughs> he's making it. We know he's making a decision this week. Not sure about any of those football guys, but if this week has been any indication. The one thing we know is even this coronavirus outbreak, even this shutdown of a country is not going to stop Ohio State from continuing to try to make waves on the recruiting trail. And when they do again, we'll have Zach back on here again to break it all down for you. Thanks so much for joining us, Zach. We really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. And thanks to Zach for joining us on this week's episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. 
lots of movement on the recruiting trail. One thing we one thing we didn't talk about with Zach because Zach mostly focuses on high school recruits, but you know, we were asked about it this week, and uh, certainly another another player that they seem to be eyeing is Trey Sermon, the graduate transfer running back from Oklahoma. He just announced this weekend that he's going to graduate transfer, and of course, for all the talk about the 2021 running backs. That doesn't address their immediate need right now for 2020, where Master Teague is hurt, Marcus Crowley's hurt, J.K. Dobbins is gone. Ohio State could absolutely use another running back in that room for this year, and certainly one that has some starting experience has proven that he can play at the collegiate level. And when you look at Trey Sermon, a guy who's rushed for more than 2,000 yards in three years at Oklahoma, was a highly touted recruit who who was actually recruited by Ohio State back in the class of 2017. They ended up getting J.K. Dobbins. That certainly worked out, but Sermon was a guy that had built a relationship with Tony Alford back then, and reading the tea leaves here, it kind of seems like his decision to transfer from Oklahoma could be a precursor to him becoming a Buckeye. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to sort of see how this is at least at, at this point sort of leaning and you know like this is one of those where when, when you're thinking about who maybe ohio state could possibly land in the transfer market it's just it's hard to think about that because there's so many schools and there's so many situations and like he's not even a guy who's in the transfer portal until last week but when his name pops up like it just like I don't know if you had this feeling, but it's like this one just makes sense. I mean, he sort of checks every box that I think Ohio State would really want in a running back in this specific moment, in this specific moment in time, which is one, he's a senior. This will be his last year. He's not gonna be a guy who's gonna be um I don't want to say like crowding up the running back room, but but when I look at Ohio State's running back room, I think there's a lot of guys who are pretty young and and, and once they get Maybe a couple years into the program, I think that I think they'll have something in, in some of these guys. But immediately, they need someone to come in right now, both because the room is young and because we don't really know about the health of, of, of some certain guys. So I think, one, just the year works. And then, two, like you said, the relationship with Tony Alford and, and having been to Ohio State and having considered Ohio State, I think, really matters. Um, and three, like you said, he has produced for a for a program that that is um, the the class of the Big Twelve right now. Um, and sure, injuries have been a factor in his career. But when Ohio State's going to the transfer market right now, and they're looking for these specific things, they're not going to find a, they're not going to find a guy who's rushed for two thousand yards. At least not right now. Not not in this world. So I think like Trace. I, I really think Trace Sermon just. He's sort of perfect for what they need, and he's not going to come in and win the Heisman, but he he can fit what Ohio State is looking for. He actually scored a touchdown against Ohio State and helped Oklahoma beat Ohio State in 2017, so that might bring back some bad memories. But, yeah, I, I think all of that is true. I think, like you said, I, I think a one-year transfer is what you're looking for at running back because – as we talked about with Zach, if you're trying to bring in two elite running backs, both of those guys who come in in 2021, they're going to want a chance to compete for immediate playing time. And you've got 
Master Teague and Marcus Crowley and Steel Chambers and Maya Williams. It's a lot of guys playing time. So you really only need a guy for one year. And I, I think this is, you know, exactly the kind of guy they're looking for. This is, you know, somebody who is really talented. He's playing at one of the best teams in the country. And, and he's probably not leaving one of the best teams in the country to not go to another one of the best teams in the country. That's not an eloquent way of saying that. But the, the rumor is that, you know, he wants to be a starter somewhere. He was, he was behind Kennedy Brooks on Oklahoma's depth chart. You look at his career, uh, he played a lot as, as a sophomore. That was his most productive season there. He had 947 yards and 13 touchdowns. Last year, even before his season-ending injury, he he had uh, seen less carries. So, you know, he think he's looking for a fresh start somewhere where he'd have a chance to go right to the top of a depth chart. And I think at Ohio State, I think he'd have a really good chance at that, especially since... There's no spring practice right now because you look at the fact that they don't have any running back who's ever started a game and their most experienced running back, Master Teague, has an Achilles injury that could potentially jeopardize his ability to return for the start of a season. So I think Sermon is a guy who could come in. He'd most likely be the starter this year. And I don't. I don't. He wouldn't be a J.K. Dobbins. I don't think. I don't think that's what you're expecting. But I think he could be somebody who can rotate with at least one other back, give them some experience in that room, and be a bridge to 2021 when they'll be in much better shape in terms of guys that they've actually recruited into that room out of high school. Yeah, I think when you when you're looking for a transfer and, and and you're in this position for Ohio State, I think you're more so looking for Jonah Jackson than Justin Fields, if that makes sense. Like you're looking for a guy who's succeeded at another school, um, who can who sort of can be a plug and play guy for you, and um, you're not like it would be great to have Justin Fields come in the the running back version of Justin Fields, but you know that's not really an option right now for Ohio State. So I think if you can get a guy like like Jonah who who essentially bridged that gap between um, you didn't want to start a freshman in Harry Miller, and all of a sudden after a year you can go to Harry Miller. And you can sort of have the same bridge um, with, with, with uh, Trey Sermon in that, you know, you, 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 if, if you enter, if you enter uh, the 2020 season with Steel Chambers and, and some guys who you don't really know about their health, you know, that might be okay, but that seems like a little bit of a risk. Whereas if you add Trey to the mix, all of a sudden you you, you might have a little bit more of a sure thing. Um, I know we got a couple questions. You want to dive into them a, a little bit? Yeah, you, I mean, one of our questions was about Trey Sermon. It was just asked about you know how will he do in Ohio State's offense, and I think we've you know already kind of covered that. That mm-hmm. you know I you know I think you know he's a, he's a guy. He's you know he's a pretty you know athletic you know shifty guy. He's got some receiving ability out of a backfield, good-sized guy. So I, I think he's got the kind of tools that you're looking for to be, you know, a, a running back in Ohio State's offense. Like I said, I don't think he's going to be J.K. Dobbins. I'm not predicting that he's going to come in and rush for 2,000 yards. But I think, you know, in terms of, you know, I think in terms of what, you know, Colin was talking about, I think, you know, I think these are the kind of guys that Ohio State wants to get out of the transfer portal. I think, you know, this is... This is the way Ohio State is going to try to utilize the transfer portal for the most part, is to try to try to find plug-and-play starters who can come in 
for a short term and fill a short term need. Justin Fields, that was a unique situation. You know, ideally you don't want to be in that situation where you have to go get a a quarterback to fill your need. It could happen again, certainly in the future, but that's not an ideal position to be in. But I think a lot of times it is going to be these kind of situations where you know you have a guy leave early for the NFL. You know, maybe something else you know goes wrong along the way where you know you lose a couple guys like they did at running back, and it opens up this immediate need. And now who can you get to fill that need? And I think Trey Sermon is the best option they might have right now. So I think if this works out, I think it's a good match for both sides. I would think he'll do well. Like I said, I don't think he's I don't think he'd come in and be an every down running back and a you know, a superstar necessarily, but I think if you can pair him with Master Teague if he gets healthy or, or with Steel Chambers or with Marcus Crowley, then I think you could have a pretty solid backfield and you know, I think you know if you if you can just get it to where you've got a couple quality backs in a rotation, that's what Ohio State's going to need for this year. They've got an elite quarterback, they've got tremendous talent at receiver, they've got a really good offensive line, but you do need a playmaker at that running back position. And Trey Sermon's a guy who has proven he can be a playmaker. Some of these other guys, I think they can be, but they haven't necessarily proved it in big games. Trey Sermon, I talked about, he he proved it as a freshman in a really big game at Ohio State. So I think he's a guy that you can you can bring in knowing that this is a guy who can play on a big stage and, and he can be a weapon in our offense. I think this is another aspect where you see why Ohio State is able to take some big swings in the recruiting on the recruiting trail and understand that even if you miss, things might work out okay because you're Ohio State. Because for all of the talk that we've done about Tony Alford's failings in the in the 2020 class, if they end up with a backfield of, of Trey Sermon and Steel Chambers and Marcus Crowley and Master Teague, like you're 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 okay with that if you're Ohio State. Sure, it would be great to have three versions of Bijan Robinson in the backfield, but you can still win with with, with this with this uh, backfield of Trey Sermon, uh, especially if Trey Sermon is on the team. And I think it sort of goes back to the fact that, you know, Tony Alford swung and he missed on Bijan Robinson and a few others, but it was worth the swing because if you get Bijan Robinson, that is a gigantic deal. And if you miss, you're Ohio State. And if you're in this position, maybe you go out and, and you find a Trey Sermon. Or last year, um, they made up for some of their, their, their recruiting failures by getting out, get, by going and getting Jonah Jackson. Like this is where being Ohio State matters, and it, and it sort of goes back to, and at least the way I see it, that they can take some chances in recruiting and go after the big dogs because there will always be a guy out there who wants to come to Columbus to be a starter at Ohio State for one year. So we were asked, call our shot, who will be the starting Ohio State running back on opening day. I guess I'm going with Trey Sermon, even though he's not on the team yet. Yeah. I guess, you know, I think if if he comes in, I think if he comes to Ohio State, it's going to be with the expectation that he will be the starter. And even if that happens, they'll play it the same way they did with Justin Fields and Jonah Jackson, and they'll say it's a competition, and they'll say he hasn't been promised anything, and most likely he'll be the first guy. Uh, going for the rotation at running back right away because he's not he's not coming in to be a backup for his senior year. So if Trey Sermon comes to Ohio State and 
you know, Colin said Seth Towns will be the next commitment. Maybe Trey Sermon will be the next commitment. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But if Trey Sermon comes to Ohio State, I would pick him to be the starter on opening day. If not, it it, it becomes a really tough question to answer because I would think if Master Teague has a significant Achilles injury, that's probably going to hamper him at least for the start of a season. So I think I'd probably have to say Steel Chambers if it's not going to be a transfer. Yep, I don't even really have much to add because that's basically my take. Is is if Trey Sermon's coming to Ohio State, Trey Sermon's going to start. Um, to me, it's it's pretty simple, cut and dry with him. And if not, then you sort of look at who's going to possibly be healthy. And it's Steel Chambers, and at least from what we can tell right now, is they think Marcus Crowley will be healthy to start the season. But since he's not healthy right now, and, and we don't know if he's going to get a full preseason camp, if maybe he'll have to be limited at all, like it, it's I would just have to pick Steel Chambers just to be safe. And we talked about before, earlier in the show, about guys who could be impacted by spring practices being affected. Certainly these running backs, you know, it's a missed opportunity, unfortunately, for Steel Chambers because it looked like, you know, he was going to be the guy at running back all spring. And now if there's no spring practices and you go into preseason camp, now whoever's there, whoever's healthy, it's an even playing field again. Steele doesn't get that opportunity to potentially get that head start. So that's not to say he couldn't eventually be the starter, he couldn't eventually be in the rotation, but he, does, he doesn't get that same head start that he might have if, if spring had continued the rest of the way. Silver Sniper had also asked about Steele Chambers and, and him being the only healthy running back on the can- on campus and, and basically asked for a quick spotlight on him and just what type what type of running back he is, his background, what coaches have said about him. And I think we, we mentioned this a little bit last show, but he's a he's for a guy who came in with, with a, a pretty stellar reputation, there's just not a ton that we've heard about him since he's gotten to Ohio State. Would you agree with that? Yeah, he's kind of an unknown at this point because I mean, for one, he wasn't an early enrollee, so he didn't go through spring practices last year. You know, he he, you know, started out at the bottom of the running back depth chart last year for that reason. So we've seen him play at the end of a few games. He's looked pretty good at the end of a few games, but again, that was in you know the fourth quarter when you know the game's well in hand. A lot of people haven't even paying attention anymore, so it's it's hard to really buy into that a lot. You look at him; he's he's six foot one, two twenty. So he's he's a pretty big, well built guy. I think he's a pretty good athlete as well. You know, coming into Ohio State, there was actually some question of you know could he be a guy who ends up at linebacker? So you know, he's a big, athletic guy who, who's got some physical tools. You know, I don't. You know, he didn't. He's not a somebody who necessarily projects to be the next J.K. Dobbins or Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State, but you know. Everything I've heard about him, you know, he seems to be a very mild-mannered guy. You know, talk, I talked to him in the locker room after the Big Ten championship game last year. You know, very, very mild, mild-mannered. Uh, seems like you know everybody has great things to say about him in terms of his character, the type of guy he is. So that's always a good start. You know, like Colin said, you know, we haven't had a ton of chance to kind of hear a lot about him from. You know, the coaches, and unfortunately, with there being no spring practice, that's going to lessen our opportunities to learn more about him really until preseason camp. So he's still kind of an unknown, you know, certainly a guy with with some talent, a guy who I think 
could certainly help them this year, and Akaiba Bay really might need to help them this year. But you know, he, he there's not a whole ton to say about him at this point, just because he really hasn't played much, and really because he was a summer enrollee and spring practices are most likely done for this year, he really hasn't even practiced that much at this point. Yeah, I think posi- I think probably the most interesting thing to me about his background is just that he might have ended up on the defensive side. And when you think of the other running backs in the room, it's Marcus Crowley, who was Florida's Gatorade Player of the Year. It's Mayan Williams, who rushed for like 6,000 yards in his career at Wenton Woods. And it's um, uh, Master Teague, who ran over guys in Tennessee. And all three of those guys are pure running backs. For years, you knew that they were going to be running back prospects. Like, Brent Venables was recruiting Steel Chambers to Clemson to play linebacker. Like, this is a guy who, at one point, people thought that, that Clemson was in the lead for him to, to end up playing linebacker for them. And all of a sudden, he's the only healthy running back in Ohio State's room. His background, just generally in terms of that, is just different than basically everybody else who, who he's competing with. Well, is there anything else that we need to add here today, Colin? Or is it time to uh, wrap up this week's edition of a show? Let's wrap the sucker up. Yeah. Would like to say we'll have lots to talk about next week. We'll kind of have to figure that out. Who knows? What exactly that's going to look like because we're in such a world of unknown right now that, you know, things are going to be rapidly changing, but... You know, we're going to try to come creative stuff to talk about. You know, we'll see what happens if Ohio State keeps landing a bunch of commitments. If uh, there's there's more news along fronts like that, then we'll certainly be talking about that next week. And if not, you know, we'll try to come up with some creative topics to talk about. We're trying to come up with creative story ideas for the website as well. So, you know, we're not going to stop writing. We're not going to stop podcasting. Even, you know, though there's not going to be any sports games for a couple months, we're going to do our best to keep you entertained and uh, to try to all get through this together. So once again, we really appreciate you guys continuing to listen. Again, if you have things you want to hear us talk about, feedback, ideas for us, we are certainly you know welcoming them more than ever. So we'll try to keep answering your questions and you know any ideas you have, we certainly welcome them. So thanks again, guys. Stay safe out there. You know, this is a scary time for all of us here in America. So so stay t- stay safe. Take care of your family. Certainly wash your hands. Do what the government's telling you to do. Uh, we all need to work together if we're going to get through this together. This is, this is an unprecedented time for all of us. But, you know, we need to try to uh, keep positive spirits and to do the things that we're supposed to do. And, you know, hopefully we'll all get through this. Hopefully we'll all be stronger for it. And hopefully soon enough, things will go back to normal and we're all just watching and talking about sports again. So thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you again next week.